You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome to the Big Blue Review Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Chris Flum. We are coming to you after a 36-35 to New York Giants loss to the Dallas Cowboys in the 2018 regular season finale. The Giants finished the season 5-11. They will pick 6th overall in the upcoming draft. And Chris, this is our final review show of the season little bittersweet but i think i'm kind of happy to not have to talk about these games when they happen anymore yeah this is this will be the at least their last heartbreaking loss for nine months if this was not the most fitting way to end this season i'm not sure what would have been this was basically their season in a nutshell offense looked good to start and then had just some incredible derps to throw away some promising drives saquon had some incredible highlights and a whole lot of other kind of meh runs defense started out hot and then kind of faded and collapsed at the end and then they lost another close game that's pretty much your two 2018 yeah so it started off pretty much like the the one in seven did the giants drove down they got inside the red zone and then eli threw a pick in the end zone that play was just a tra- uh, the play was trash all the way around <laughs> so the giants used a max protect so they kept in scott simonson and saquon barkley they had seven blockers against four rushers Now, with the quarterback, that leaves three receivers against seven players in the secondary with, like, no space to get open. You're inside the red zone, so there's limited space already. So you had three against seven. Uh, No one was in the progression besides Sterling Shepard on on a fade to the corner— and there were there were two guys there. Cheeto Wuzier made a good play for the interception, but that was a bad decision. It was a bad play call. It was a bad design. So that game could not have started much worse for the Giants. And then there was second drive started off pretty well. And then they had a max protect play action attempt. And that ended when Scott Simonson tried to block Demarcus Lawrence. And we saw what happens when Scott Simonson tries to block an all-pro defensive end. It did not end well. No, no, no. Still not sure if that should be an interception or a fumble, but... 
Yeah, it, I, I also it, don't think it matters. Yeah, it doesn't matter because the ball went into the arms of Antoine Woods. That so, if it was a fumble, it went right into his hands. If it wasn't a fumble, it was still an interception because the ball never touched the ground. So that it got changed from an interception to a sack fumble. Yeah, why you have any possibility of Scott Simonson on Demarcus Lawrence? Uh, one again, terrible scheming there. I don't know how you even leave that as a possibility. I mean, so, sometimes those things do happen, but man, I would have liked to see Eli step up a little quicker when it, it looked like he didn't feel that pressure at all. So that was not great. But man, so yeah, it was just... That start of the game was... That was rough. It was. There were some things I saw schematically from the offense other than... Yeah, at the opposite end of the spectrum early in the game. I think we saw some of the things we saw against Indianapolis, which I really liked. They were effective. They pretty much used the defense's pre-programmed responses against itself and really helped out the offensive line, bought Eli some time, sped up his progressions, and made the reads easier, which those are things we've been calling for all year long. So it was nice to see them actually carry that from one game to another, which is something they hadn't done before. Yeah, there there were some some nice schemed plays. There were still some open throws. I think Eli was still left to force a, a decent amount of things you would rather not see him force. So per next-gen stats, he threw into a tight window, which is a yard or fewer of separation between the defender and the receiver, a 26.8% of the time. That was the third most of the week. Um, you, you don't want to see any quarterback really above 20. That's just not good, especially the way the NFL is is schemed now, where it's more wide-open throws. So, so there were still some things there that I didn't like, and... I mean, I guess we should talk about Eli again, probably not for the last time in 2018, for the last time for the regular season where we're breaking down an immediate game, uh, but this will not be the last Eli Manning conversation we had. I mean, again, he was he was good sometimes, he was bad in others, and I mean, that's just been the Eli Manning experience, 24 of 41, 301 yards, 7.3 average. He had the two touchdowns and interception. Uh, he had the sack fumble, 56.4 QBR, um, which, I mean, it, it's not great. That doesn't mean a quarterback would win 56.4% of the time, um, but you would hope your quarterback is not giving you a 50-50 shot at winning. Uh, you're kind of <laughs> hoping for a little better. And then for this season, Eli finished 25th of 33 qualified quarterbacks in total QBR at just 51.8. He was only 20th of 33 quarterbacks in adjusted net yards per attempt. So it was a very average to below average season for Eli. You know, after the game, it kind of sounded like he wanted to come back, but he kind of left the door open. Uh, Archie Manning, in interview with, I forget who it was, I was just reading it before we talked, uh, it kind of <laughs> seemed like Archie said, you know, if, if he's done, I'm okay with it. So that was the first kind of opening we saw there, that there might be a hint of, of maybe a retirement. 
And Pat Shermer, after the game, had a lot of praise for Eli and said he would love to have him back in 2019. Uh, so that's kind of where we stand right now with Eli. So I, I obviously, this game, as we said, this game should not be one way or the other. You want to take everything kind of as a whole. I, I think the the most Giants thing, I think, would be if Eli does decide to retire and the Giants have absolutely no plan for what would happen afterward if if that were to be the case. I think that is the epitome of the Giants right now. Yeah, Eli says, you know what, I, you guys rebuilt this offensive line and I still took the worst beating of my career. I, I want to go spend some more time with my wife and daughters. And then the Giants have no plan and see the Oakland Raiders trade up for a quarterback and then oh why not the Jaguars have them trade up for a quarterback and then the Giants are left with no quarterback in the draft I still think the New Orleans Saints would be absolutely insane to let Teddy Bridgewater walk out the door if they can avoid that at all so what's left Nick Foles all right, let's let's not maybe if they could maybe if they could just start playing in December. Oh god. Yeah, so we'll we'll get into the specifics of yeah. <laughs> what the quarterback options are uh in in later podcasts because we have uh, Probably a lot of time of to talk about that. So but uh, let's get uh, back to the offense. You know, there were there were some flashes again. They have, have maybe figured out how to use Evan Ingram. Um that is that is a nice development over the past couple weeks. Um, it is. It shouldn't be that hard, but it's nice to see. Uh, it it shouldn't. So his, um, I, I wrote, I had this note in uh, the plays that changed the game piece, which should be up while you are listening to this. So uh, please go read that. His fifty-one yard catch at the start of the fourth quarter per Next Gen stats had an expected yards after the catch of zero um so he was expected to be tackled uh, basically as soon as he caught the ball but jeff heath dallas's safety is one of the worst tacklers in the league uh we will talk about one of the other worst tacklers in the league a little bit later jeff heath one of the worst tacklers in the league he had a 25 percent broken tackle rate uh, before this game per sports info solutions he completely flailed on a tackle and charles davis during this game called Heath one of the best tackling safeties in the league. Uh, I like Charles Davis. He could not be more just absolutely wrong there. But then, so on that play, Ingram ran 44 yards after the catch with an expected yards after the catch of zero. So that was one of the most impressive plays of this season by next-gen stats count. So that that is a good sign. I mean, we had our, our big blue big board episode a couple weeks ago where we talked about tight end we weren't really sure where Ingram fit into the picture because the Giants didn't have really a a plan to use him but it's since we had that podcast uh Ingram has been used in ways where he should be used so that is one positive thing going forward yeah I I would like to uh thank Pat Shermer on his listenership apparently you know feel free to give us a shout out (laughs) but yeah we have been calling for Ingram to be a bigger factor in the offense all year long, and it's really nice to see. This is what the Giants had in mind when they drafted him. And No, he's not a traditional tight end, but he can do things that traditional tight ends can't, 
And anyone who thinks he's soft because he can't block defensive linemen at the at the line of scrimmage, they need to watch him w- with the ball in his hand because he is an absolute beast. Yeah, he is. And uh, this game, 8.05 expected points added, which, which is great. That was on nine targets, so just a little under an expected point added per target. They ended with 0.89. Uh, so that, and his, That's Odell his, Beckham territory. Yeah, so his usage uh, has been has been really impressive over the past couple games. He's, he's made some things happen. Some of the drop problems that plagued him in the beginning of the year, those have not been there the past couple games, uh, which is good. I, I don't really care about drops to begin with uh, because if you're getting enough targets, th- there's going to be enough big plays there, and, and Ingram is, is showing that. Uh, so if the Giants have figured out how to use him and then can add Odell Beckham there and, and grow in this scheme, then uh, I'm excited for what some passing game combinations uh, could look like in 2019. Oh, definitely. Uh, th- that, I think, will be the trick for Pat Shermer. Feeding Odell Beckham the way he needs to be fed because apparently this we discovered that this is a controversial statement. Odell is their best player. But also, Saquon Barkley is a really good player, which we'll get to him in a minute. And Evan Ingram is a really good player. And Sterling Shepard is a really good player. They all deserve to have the ball. And the trick will be getting them the ball and getting them the ball the way they should be gotten the ball. Slightly awkward phrasing. No, that that's going to be the key. And part of what really derailed the Giants in the beginning of the season is they weren't able to do that. And every other play was a... I mean, not even a two-yard check down to Barkley. It was like a negative three-yard <laughs> check down to Barkley. And you know, that really set the offense back. But through the season, uh, they, they figured out they should maybe throw the ball past the line of scrimmage. Uh, and and it's worked out a little more. And, and Ingram has been the best example of that. Uh, he's getting targeted a little further down the field, but still getting the opportunities where he can create yards after the catch. And as we've seen, he's he's one of the best in the league at doing that. So that that's good to see. Another thing that's good to see, and we're not sure if it's going to matter in 2019 or not, because Cody Latimer will be a free agent. He was only on a one-year deal, but he showed up in this game. Oh, definitely. Uh, number 12 did his best impression of number 13 those one-handed catches and basically being open even though he was covered those were the kind of catches the kind of plays we were hoping to see from him in the beginning of the season but again he just wasn't getting the ball and getting the ball in the right situations I do kind of believe he will be back Gettleman likes his big receivers and you know he already has familiarity with the coaching staff and the offense and he shouldn't be an expensive player to retain, considering he missed most of the season. Right. There's there's probably not going to be a, a huge market for him. So if the Giants did want to keep him around, that, that would not be expensive. But yeah, in this game, 7.58 expected points added. Uh, that was on just six targets. So 1.26 EPA per target. Uh, that is a very good game in his his that the touchdown down the sideline he was byron jones was draped all over him and per sports info solutions byron jones had not given up a touchdown this year before this game latimer was the first one 
uh, to get him, and that was not an easy pass. That pass had just a 13.8% completion probability per next-gen stats. That was the ninth least likely completion of the entire season. So credit to Eli for putting the ball uh, in a place where Latimer could get it, and a lot of credit to Latimer because he only had one hand on that, so he was able to catch the ball, keep that inbounds, and that, that was just an impressive play all around. It, it really was. Yeah. It, not the first time we've seen a Giants receiver make an incredible one-handed catch with a Cowboys defensive back draped all over them and then have it ultimately not matter. <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean, Latimer, in this case, good to see. He's someone who can beat man coverage, as we saw. And that's, I think, something the Giants were very much lacking in in their secondary receivers. So if they bring him back, and it's not on an expensive deal, I mean, I'm not sure if he would immediately slot in as the third receiver. I think you might want to, you know, still try to upgrade there, but that that's it's not a bad rotational piece to have. Not at all. I, like I said, I, I think he should be back. I think he will be back. Also, I think Corey Coleman should be back as well as Quadri Henderson. They're two returners because Coleman has proven himself to be a dangerous kick returner. And I was pleasantly surprised with him as a receiver. He had the drops we pretty much expected coming in, but he also made a few impressive catches. Uh, yeah, he he doesn't really do anything for me, to be honest. I, I wouldn't make any the real effort to bring him back. Uh, but I, I think who who we would and wouldn't bring back is probably better conversation for another episode. Oh, of course. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm aboard bringing back Henderson, though. The good returner and the Giants very clearly uh, need that. So I think if we stick to the offense, we have to uh, talk about Barkley. Saquon Barkley went over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. That is very impressive and also very volume-driven. So he finished this game with 17 carries, 109 yards, which is 6.4 yards per carry. And his game shows why yards per carry is not a great stat. (laughs) <laughs> um, he had a 68-yard run in there, which was 62.4% of his rushing yards for the game. And by expected points added, that 68-yard run was 168% of his EPA. That run was worth 5.47 EPA, and Barkley finished the game with 3.25 EPA. He had, again, a 35.3% success rate. That's just, uh, that's not good. The 68-yard run, great. Uh, It was very exciting. But again, just the play-to-play consistency, continually not there. Yeah, that's not his fault. At least, not his fault for the most part. There is occasionally plays where he will attempt to bounce out of a hole for chasing the home run but those were few and far between over the second half of the season the bigger problem with his consistency is that the Giants have approximately one offensive lineman who can run block and that is Will Hernandez yeah he is a monster who had no place being drafted in the second round he should have been a first rounder 
So the Giants were lucky to find him sitting there in the second round. But unfortunately, that's about it. We get yelled at for teasing out Barkley's explosive runs, but on just a run-to-run basis, Barkley isn't picking up that many yards. He isn't performing that much better than really any other running back who is just going to get run into the back of his offensive line. Yeah, and we're just going to continue to have this conversation. That's part of the problem uh, with taking a running back and in having so much of the offense going through a running back when the offensive line is bad. There's only so much he can do. Again, Barkley is a great player. The things he did this season were incredibly individually impressive. He had a historic season. Right, but when it comes to the grand scheme of the offense, it very clearly, in many cases, just didn't matter because there was no line to block for him. This scheme in which he was put in where he's catching balls three yards behind the line of scrimmage and has to make three people miss, but he has to do that behind the line of scrimmage on on some of his run plays... It's just not how an offense should be run in 2018 and and beyond because the because he is now on the team that offense is going to continue to be run that way. It's just again, it's nothing against Barkley. It's it's the position. It's how everything is set up. It's how the game is set up in 2018. So so having those long runs is great. Having the 35 percent success rate is not. Um, and, uh, and when you have to continually balance those two things, uh, it, as it showed this year, it is continually hard to get that balance to keep the offense on schedule. Agreed. Yeah. We really have nothing against Saquon Barkley, the player. He is a great player who can't say routinely, can't say regularly, but he has a high incidence of just doing things that, even exceptional athletes just can't. I mean, that Space Jam touchdown he had where he took off from the foul line, that was amazing. And he's lucky he didn't get hit a fraction of a second sooner. But he does these things, and it just doesn't have the effect that I think the Giants envisioned when they drafted him. No, no, it, it didn't. So I think I, I don't want to continually have this Barkley conversation because it it's kind of tiring I, at this point. I'm sure people are tired it's kind of, of, of having at this us point. <laughs> to listen to it. But I mean, it's it's such a big part of what this Giants season is and what this roster is going to be going forward and all the decisions that that just came together. So we do have to talk about it. Again, it's it's nothing against Barkley. You you put Barkley like on on the Rams, but he probably has like three thousand yards from scrimmage this season. So it's it's nothing against him. It's it's the position. It's how the Giants were set up. It's how the Giants are going to be not set up at the quarterback, a more important position going forward. It's it's about the the low down-to-down consistency again 35 percent success rate is bad you you can't run an offense when when you're doing that 
And so, I mean, this is something we're, we're going to continue to talk about. I'm going to have a piece on Barclays just season as a whole on Big Review either this week or early next week. So these thoughts are, are going to be in more detail there. So we, we don't have to continue this conversation. But for this game, let's get back to this game. Let's flip to the defensive side of the ball now. Uh, and something that we can all agree on uh, is bad and not good for the Giants uh, is Curtis Riley. Uh, I I tweeted during the game that, you know, after we got a look at the all 22 replay, I'm pretty sure that Riley saw a spider on the tight end shoulder pad. And I personally can respect that career decision, but my God, you're, you're playing safety in the NFL. It, it looked like he was terrified of getting a targeting penalty or something. I, I have never seen a safety not just tackle badly, but straight pull up on a guy who's about to score a touchdown. That play, and and then <laughs> I can't believe it took until a week 17 for Riley to be benched. That's probably something that should have happened uh, well before that, but uh, I guess showing absolutely no effort in trying to make a tackle is, is what it took. Man, I mean, he's he's been a problem back there all year. Uh, he continued to be a problem in this game, uh, although Riley wasn't the only problem. Uh, there were a lot of communication issues on uh, Blake Jarwin's other two touchdowns. So uh, Blake Jarwin playing the Jason Witten role here, except you know better, and as someone who can you know run, run faster than <laughs> a, a six two forty. But the Giants, so we we get on the Giants for being bad uh, covering tight ends. That's been a years-long thing that spanned multiple defensive coordinators. But the Giants were 11th in DVOA against uh, tight ends this season. Um, that will not be the case after this game gets <laughs> <laughs> gets put in. So Blake Jarwin had three touchdowns. Uh, two of them were just just bad communication in zone coverage. I mean, that happens when you have guys like Nate Stuper and Michael Thomas, uh, Sean Chandler, just guys who, who were not have not been playing together for most of the season. Uh, so just miscommunications there. And Jarwin just twice just found a very open hole in the zone and had really nothing to beat uh, and, and wide open lanes to the end zone. Yeah, they, I, I don't know what it is about playing Cowboys tight ends the Giants just pretty much regardless of who it is make them look like an all pro they always seem to lose them in coverage and forget how to talk to each other the only good thing I suppose in coverage was that Amari Cooper had about 35 yards and I except for not hauling in an interception that hit him in the chest Janoris Jenkins had a pretty not bad afternoon yeah yeah no Jenkins I think did hold up uh, pretty well against Cooper. I don't, he wasn't on Cooper every play, but he, I mean, he didn't get beat. But one of the things I expected from Dallas, and it's something we talked about uh, with, with the Giants before, uh, when when Jenkins had that ball, you know, nearly picked off. That was a little quick out from Cooper. Uh, I thought they would have gone back to that with a with a double move off it uh, because you know, Jenkins does like to bite on on those types of things. So I'm surprised they did not go back to that. Uh, one thing with Jenkins. So last year when there was not really a lot to play for, his effort was questioned. But I, I don't think that could be the case this year, especially on. Um, so Alan Hearns had that 49 yard catch late in the game. 
and Jenkins was the one who made the tackle, and he started on the opposite side of the field from Hearns, and I think Next Gen Stats had him at like 62 and a half yards covered uh, on that play to make the tackle. So he was the guy there, and it, the, before Tony Lepet, who was the corner on Hearns for that play, and Jenkins was the one who ran across the field and was able to make that play. Um, so uh, Jenkins is going to be someone who his future is is up in the air just because of of his cap hit but i don't think you can say that you can question the effort that he made uh in the second half of the season when this was still a lost season for the giants oh agreed one thing i do like about james betcher other than how he mixes things up and is not afraid to be aggressive is that the players play for him i think the biggest problem with the 2017 Giants was that the coaching staff just lost them. They were I I thought they had a reasonably competitive roster. You know, the 11 and 5 was probably them playing above their level, but they were certainly better than a 3 and 13 roster, but they were just horribly coached. This year, we do have to give credit to Shermer and Betcher for having the team play hard all th- all the way through a lost season. And, you know, there weren't really any effort concerns with Jackrabbit. No, there weren't. And that that's a good thing. And yeah, that's one thing we have said about Betcher. Um, he does have the team playing hard. Uh, they haven't played particularly well. That's, again, because of the talent uh, on that side of the ball. Uh, it's just not there. But if we continue with, with playing hard, this was the best game for the Giants' pass rush, I think, really all season. Dak Prescott was continually under pressure, just under pressure the entire game. And Sports Info Solutions had Dak Prescott uh, under pressure on 17 of his dropbacks. Um, and that is, that's a lot. The Giants, you add in there, there was another four sacks. Prescott was continually having to get flush out of the pocket. Olivier Vernon was there uh, a bunch. There was some pressure from Lorenzo Carter. There was some pressure from the interior. That was good. The Giants were facing some backup linemen in this game, but it was still nice to to see them push through. They have played bad lines before and haven't been able to get that pressure. Um, but the, the problem was Prescott was really good under pressure when he had to be. So... He only completed 43.8% of his throws under pressure, and that was on 16 attempts, but uh, 9.7 yards per attempt, a 12.5% touchdown rate. So uh, that's pretty good. He continually kept his eyes downfield, found uh, some open targets. There were some big plays under pressure. The Cole Beasley touchdown at the end of the game was under pressure after he had to be flushed out of the pocket. That was a big difference there. So Eli Manning had the same completion percentage on the same number of attempts under pressure. So 16 attempts under pressure, 43.8% completion rate but 3.6 yards per attempt. There's the huge difference. That's why Prescott finished the game with 89.9 QBR and four touchdowns. And Eli was at 56.4 QBR and and had just kind of uh, an average to below average game. When you are able to continually leave the pocket, keep your eyes up, you know, that's where Dallas had the advantage there, and he was able to find the open receivers. The Giants just did not have the skill in the secondary to stay 
in coverage for that long. And that's how Dallas got a lot of big plays in this game. Yeah, and that's it. That was outside of Jack Rabbit. Michael Thomas is a nice player. He's not Landon Collins. Uh, Curtis Riley shouldn't have been on the field. And B.W. Webb, I again, he's if he's your starting one of your starting corners, you need a second starting corner. And then also when Grant Haley went out with a concussion, that hurt. So the the secondary there, that's definitely something that's going to have to be addressed and looked at over the coming months because it's impossible to play the kind of defense that James Betcher wants to play that aggressive, high risk, high reward defense. If you don't have a secondary that can cover. Yeah. And that really uh, is not what the giants have had so far. Uh, this uh, not so far. This season's <laughs> over. Just, they have not year. had it at any point this season. So yeah, that's that's going to be something they look at going forward. You know, they'll get Sam Beal, who uh, you know will be the Giants' third round pick in this draft. So they did have that in mind. But I uh, let's hope that the Giants take a little a bigger step into getting quality at the position. I seem this year at at free safety and at quarterback, they just threw quantity at the position and hoped something stuck. You know, they got probably better than they expected from BW Webb, uh, but it, I think that's that's really it. So hopefully they take a step at at quality uh this offseason. That would be nice to see at, at probably a lot of positions. Yes, yeah. Yeah, at a lot of positions, but um those are things we will be looking at in future episodes of this podcast i think in terms of this game and this episode i I think we can end there and put a wrap on the 2018 new york giants season thankfully we will now be looking forward into 2019 uh, as we go forward Uh, we've been doing that with our college football and draft podcast you can listen to that. We'll be back with that at the end of the week. So in terms of the schedule of what we're going to do with this show, uh, not totally sure. We'll, we'll probably maybe keep it around maybe Mondays, maybe sometime in the beginning of the week. Uh, we will still be talking about the future of the Giants. We'll, we'll talk about the NFL roster on this show, I think. So we'll be back with that. We'll, we'll continue with episodes there. I, I don't think we're going to be going anywhere Uh, in terms of that, but we will keep you updated with exactly what this show is going to be as we hit the offseason. So please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating or a review that helps us out tremendously. Um, Read our work on BigBlueView.com. You can follow all those places on social media at BigBlueView on Twitter. I'm at Dan Pizzuta on Twitter. Chris is at RaptorMKII on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram at Big underscore Blue underscore View. Yeah, so we'll be back at the end of the week and then we'll return with some other episodes later in the offseason. We got a lot of content to to still push out. Have a good new year. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll be coming back to you in 2019 so thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you again soon hello i'm spencer hall from sb nation and i want to tell you about my new show it seems smart it seems smart is a show about people doing things that for some reason or another seem smart at the time 
those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.